wonderful show is keeping up with the Joneses. Mr. Jones. Goodness gracious, you look hot today. Oh, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Do you want to tell people what you did slightly negligently before we started recording a podcast? Okay, so <laughs> I wasn't thinking. Uh, I, well, I was thinking of other things. Basically, I just started a load of laundry because my workout clothes needed to be cleaned. And, and where is our laundry? Right above our heads. So if you hear the sound of rushing waters, it's not the Lord returning to speak deep to deep. Well, maybe it is, but it's more likely AJ's laundry. It's more likely my laundry. How's everyone? I hope you had a great week. Uh, what did we talk about last week? We talked about anger. anger. Yeah. yeah. I hope you had a great angry week. A great angry week. Yeah, full what of a anger. weird thing to I say. No, it sounds weird. Yeah. It sounds weird. Yeah. How was your week? Better than the previous week. But still sure. plenty of challenges. Mm-hmm. I'm scanning my brain for highlights of the week. I think most of my highlights had to do with food. Just random salads. I made my Greek salad, which I hadn't made in a while. Things like that. There was something exceptional about the Greek salad. Do you remember? No. Are you going for something specific? Something <laughs> I feel I did. like it. <laughs> uh, oh, you made the chicken. I did. We found a new <laughs> recipe. Courtesy of Jeff Dollar. Courtesy of Sam, the cooking guy on YouTube, we'll put a link to this chicken recipe, and it was really good. Do we want a link to Sam, the cooking guy? Isn't his language a little foul? He's he's a little rough around the edges, but you're all grown-ups, and you know how to use discernment. But still, it's a great, great recipe. It is a good recipe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That just makes me want to make it again. I'm not going to lie. So we are in the middle of a series on feelings. We have done five already. And we are about to talk about feeling number six. Yeah, this is all the work of Dr. Chip Dodd. And he's written a book called The Voice of the Heart, a super helpful book. Uh, and also is, runs an organization called uh, Say Chill. We went and did their training. We'd recommend both of them. If you haven't got the book, we'd really recommend you pick up the book or the audio book. We'll put a link in the show notes. But also they're offering training that we did that was really, really excellent. And the, the reason I'm passionate, angry about you all doing the training is listening to this stuff isn't enough. Actually, when you go do the training, about half of it is like classroom time where you're getting some excellent world-class teaching. The other half of it is where you're in process groups doing the work of the feelings. Doing this stuff. I feel angry to itch my nose right now. What Can I use that? You can. I'll zoom in on you right now. All right. All right. Oh, I feel so much better. I love the way you lowered your lip. Does that stretch out your nose? I don't know. You'll love it. You'll love it when you watch it back because I'm going to zoom right in in 4K and it's going to look glorious. No, you... No. You want me to cut it out? Uh, I don't know. You can do whatever you want. Okay. I usually do. I know. So far, we've talked about four of the feelings. We've talked about uh, her sad, lonely fear. Mm-hmm. What, what's Nothing. that? What's Go that? ahead. What's I just thought face? of something. What did you think about? <laughs> I just thought of something. For fear, go ahead. <laughs> Wait, tell the people okay. about your attempts to wrestle me. Because <laughs> that's, that's a fun one. Okay. I, because I've been working out, I feel like I'm getting stronger. And yes. so I should be able to pin you down by now. But I can't yet. But last week, was it last week that you shifted and hoofed me right off the bed onto the floor? <laughs> Okay, well, that sounds like the beginnings yeah. of domestic abuse. Let's frame it in its proper context. So AJ is convinced that she can pin me down. So she uh, literally tries to pin me down and doesn't realize that she's the easiest person to escape. And I also have like 100 pounds on her. So she's very easy to... This is going to sound terrible. She's really easy to flip over and sit on. 
<laughs> but at one point when she was pinning me for like the fifth or sixth time, I'm like, babe, this is a waste of time. And if you keep doing this, I'm going to throw you on the floor. And she's like, no, you're not. I'm super strong. You didn't say you were going to throw me on I the didn't, floor. I no, thought didn't. I gave you fair warning. No, you did not. You I just remember. shifted in a different direction. And all of a sudden, I was like mid-fall. Mid I remember lowering, lowering you gently to the floor. Is that how mm-hmm. you remember it? That is not how my ribcage remembered so it. So all of AJ's Google searches are all about Krav Maga and Brazilian <laughs> Jiu-Jitsu. And she wants to learn how to pin me. Which so, I'm ladies, loving, by the way. If you can help me out, if you know uh, a viable way to uh... now, I'm scared <laughs> that you're recruiting internet women ninjas. Well, I said to Abby today, I was like, "Mommy needs to figure out a way to pin down Daddy," and she goes, "Mommy, just hurt him." And I was like, "What do you mean?" <laughs> Thanks, thirteen-year-old. <laughs> she goes, she goes, you know, like. So she's making suggestions of ways that I can hurt you, and then that way I'll win. And I was like, well, I don't want to hurt him. Please send help. (laughs) I said, well, I don't want to hurt him. I just want to pin him down. And she goes, but if you hurt him, you'll be able to pin him down. (laughs) Our topic this week is about fear, which seems pertinent given our our topic of discussion. Okay, but what I was thinking of earlier. (laughs) Okay, go on. So today I heard Alan uh, coming down the stairs, and... (laughs) I knew he was coming and I was standing kind of, I knew he was looking for me. And so I squished up against the wall and waited for him to come around the corner and then I jumped out. Which doesn't seem very Christ-like. It, no, it is. He, Jesus told me to do it. <laughs> Spirit of deception, oh, come okay. out. Okay, that's a lie. But I, it felt, if I felt inspired to scare you. If I can't pin you, I'll scare you for now. Ooh, now I have a bunch of ideas. Again, we're talking about fear this week, but before we jump into fear, let's do a quick recap on feelings. Why are feelings so important? Well, number one for me, God gave us feelings. Great answer. So he obviously wanted feelings to be part of how we function. Yeah. Uh, And I think that was the biggest uh, shift for me in terms of being willing to feel them is, okay, God, if you, you made me with these foreign things that I don't enjoy. Uh, Okay, God, then I'm going to choose to start actually feeling them instead of ignoring them. Yeah. The other thing we've discovered is that on the pathway to full-hearted living, like living the life that God's given us, feelings are this incredible gift from God. I don't think I ever knew that till starting this work. I just thought feelings were a major inconvenience to you being productive. Right. Um, in fact, I remember one time sitting with my therapist and he was like, what, you know, what are you, you know, we'd start the session and he'd show me the eight feelings. They're like, what are you feeling? And I was like, Who I am cares? so frustrated with this. Like, <laughs> well, like I'm not feeling anything. And so he, I said, why don't you do the exercise? What are you feeling? And so he just lifts, lists off like six or seven feelings. I'm like, you're feeling them all now. And he was like, yeah. And I was revulsed by, it. I was like, oh my God, how do you even get anything done in this <laughs> <You> day? <exist. laughs> and he was like, wow, we've got some work to yeah. do now. But for full heart living to to be to be the way you're made to enjoy all that god's given you as i just said feelings are essential and what we've discovered as we've been doing these last couple of weeks is every feeling has a gift that is if you feel your feelings if you process your feelings if you talk about your feelings if you explore your feelings if you give your feelings to god if you give the part of you that's angry the part of you that's fearful whatever you invite the lord into that you have safe community as you explore your feelings there is a tremendous gift with every feeling and every gift is different for each feeling but conversely if you choose not to feel your feelings then 
you end up with the impairments, which are all really things that we don't want right. and would shout scripture verses at, but we don't realize we have them because we've partnered with shutting down our feelings. Right. And a lot of the impairments is an impaired uh, way of living. Like it actually puts on the handbrake and the footbrake. Have you ever driven your car somewhere and then you realize, why is this thing not working? And then you realize the footbrake is still in the car. I, yeah. I have. Yes. Quite a distance, I'm ashamed to admit. Uh, like the impairment's a little bit like that. We're like, we're going through life. It takes way more effort. There's tons of opposition. And that's the impairment because we are refusing to live the way we've been designed. Yeah. So this week we are talking about fear. And for a lot of us, uh, we have been trained that fear equals weakness in that if we're experiencing fear, then we're obviously not like a people of faith. Right. That whole thing where we don't want to admit that we're scared because it keeps us moving forward isn't actually fear. It's the fear of fear. It's the fear of feeling our fear. Right. Which now we've suddenly gone really meta. Very meta. So when we become fearful about feeling fear, then we actually turn into really controlling people. Right. Because we want guarantees that everything's going to be okay. So we never have to feel any fear that could potentially come from doing this right and so we actually step back from living we demand these guarantees we become super controlling and again that's not the way we're designed and it doesn't produce good fruit in relationships if you doubt that how many of you got really close friends who are super controlling and you love that part about their personality not me and conversely if we are actually going to admit that we feel fear because let's face facts there are some scary things in the world there's scary things about living life if we admit that we're fearful we actually step into reminding ourselves that we are human. We do have limitations. Just embracing that there's fear opens up the world of incredible fruitfulness to come into our lives. Yeah. I think fear makes you pay attention, too. It absolutely does. If you think about think about when you back out of your driveway, you're reversing out your driveway, you're not like whistling and all cavalier and I have no fear, I'm just going to gun it. No, you, like you, you look over your shoulder or you look at, if you've got a newer car, you look at the, the rearview mirror and you're paying attention to what's happening. And that's actually one of the gifts of fear. It makes us aware of our surroundings. It makes us aware of potential danger in the area. And doing that actually leads to a gift we're going to talk about momentarily. So I'm trying to think, babe, it feels like fear is a prerequisite for trust. Like you know, you have to actually feel your feelings in order to be able to enter into an agreement with the Lord to trust him about something. Yeah, usually trust is not required if we're able to do something in our own strength. Yeah. So if you think about all the times that we've done something the Lord's asked us to do, move countries, move house, try something different, there's inherent risk in all of that. Gosh, yes. And so the trust part comes with like, I am scared about doing that, but I trust you. Yeah. And uh, my demonstration of my trust in you is partnering with my fear, acknowledging that it's there and recognizes, uh, recognizing that actually I can have confidence that you're in there and you get to the other side. Yes, that makes sense. And I think too often we try and eliminate fear out of, I don't know why, like out of you know, well, one, not wanting to be human, not wanting to have limitations, because that's scary. And we try and demand and, but when we do that, we shrink our world. Like we only ever do things we know we can do. And that means we never, ever grow. Yeah. The other thing is that fear leads us to joy. And, 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 and 
based on what you were saying, like when I have fear about something, it's usually because of my own limitations. Mm -hmm. When I'm aware of my limitations, I identify my need, like I can't do this or I don't know how to do this or this is big or this is scary. Think about when we first moved here, we wanted to buy a house. We did not know how to buy a house at all. Right. My parents didn't live in America. They knew nothing about, they bought some houses before. They lived in Great Britain. They didn't know how, you know, what the American system was. Right. Your mom is Canadian. Yes. Your dad is no longer with us. Yes. And so we feel like the Lord's asking us to buy a house, but we're scared because we don't know what to do we don't know if we can afford it we don't know the process how do you even figure it all out right and so that brings us to our need like we don't know what we're doing yeah we need some help and yeah. so we reached out to some dear friends of ours to, well that the lord highlighted to us they, yeah we prayed like lord we don't know what to do and he was like meet with these people and so we go to meet these people who at that point we didn't really know not well no no so we took them out for dinner and asked them like hey here's what we feel like the lord's asking us to do we don't know how to do it would you help us in that process would you just guide like, us through do you know anything about this right well yeah. actually we knew that they had just helped their son buy a house that's right like walking yeah. through the process yeah. so we're like you know so we're like you're a dad you know how to walk people through this and they just sit there and go do you know what we do and we're like no we don't know what you do they're like i have a real estate license <laughs> so the lord was setting us up my point in that is there was tremendous joy in our weakness joy is often found and when a tender response is shown to weakness so we have weakness we have need these people are only too happy to help us they feel joy in being able to give their gifts to people in need we feel joy in being able to help none of that process would have happened if we didn't first feel our fear Right. So we feel our fear and that actually leads us to go and pursue wisdom. Oh, look at AJ Jones just jumping ahead. Yep. Yeah. I'm jumping ahead, That's baby. That's right. The gift of fear is wisdom. Yeah. And here's how that works. You already heard an example of one type of fear is that, you know, you sit in a situation, you realize you don't know what you're doing, you don't know what you You've reached your limitations, which identifies your needs. I need help. You reach out for help. And just that understanding that you're in need opens you up to be teachable and you reach out for help. Uh, another example of that would be if you are in a new situation, a new environment, and perhaps you sense danger around you. You're feeling fearful about the situation. You're feeling fearful about people. It causes you to be heightened awareness about your environment, about the people. Right. Maybe causes you to take some precautions. Uh, that's wisdom in action. And actually, what's interesting about that is when we feel fear in those situations, it's actually speaking about our internal worth. Wow. Okay. I'm in danger yes. and I am worth protecting. Therefore, I will take precautions to keep yes. me safe. Yes. Attributing value to ourselves. Good. Just another gift of fear. Very cool. You know, you were talking earlier about how God made us this way. Think about your physiological reactions to fear. So let's say you're you walking your home. Fight or flight? Yeah, your fight flight mechanism. Yeah. But like like you're in a situation where you feel like you're physically in danger, what happens to you physically? You start to walk faster. Your heart, your heart beats races. a little bit better. Yeah. And so what's happening is your body's telling you, I'm in danger, you pay attention to that. And yeah. again, wisdom comes out with that. I need to call somebody, I need to change lanes and go to a police station, you know, whatever you need to do to take care of yourself. So what about like so we talked a little bit about discernment. Like you're aware that something's not quite right. Like you're aware that, and your fear speaks to you like, hey, something's not quite right, which leads to discernment. You listen to that voice, leads to wisdom and finding what you need. Yeah. What is the difference then between discernment and judgment? The best definition that I have heard of judgment mm -hmm. comes from the Kilstras, from Betsy and Chester. Our dear friends, Chester yes. and Betsy Kilstra, who are adorable and 
wonderful. Vicious, I was going to say. They're they vicious. are wonderful. Yeah, yeah. They're vicious in the best sort of yeah. way. Uh, vicious like a skilled <laughs> surgeon. Yes. Precise. Anyway, they say a judgment sounds like an observation with attitude. So it's not just noticing a thing or being aware of a thing and then doing whatever you need to do with it uh, to be safe or whatever. But it's actually then going past that and adding attitude and like motive probably. Yeah, or ascribing like motive that. to yeah. somebody. Yeah. Yeah. I love that description from Chester and Betsy. Chip describes judgment as as an attempt at stopping fear without having to listen to your fear. Ah. So we just move straight to judgment right. so we can eradicate all of their perspective. Right. This is actually all about them yep. and, you know, whatever. And remove ourselves from right. it. Wow. We were talking about this earlier, you know, with the example of buying a house. Yes. But one of the other beautiful things about fear is it helps us see our limitations. Like when we, often when we're fearful, we've run out of us and we need something more. And that's scary. Yes. Because if you need something more, it means you're going to have to rely on something other than you. God. Oh, we don't like that Other people. All. Yeah. So fear actually lets you know your limitations, which brings a gift of allowing other people to meet your needs. Yeah. So when we see our limitations, we actually come into an understanding that we need other people and we need their help. Okay. So real, real time example. Uh, a story about the podcast. We'd been podcasting for, I don't know, four or five years, but we only ever did audio podcasting. And when we started, we didn't have a clue what we were doing. We had a really good friend, Blake Stratton, who'd podcasted before. Yes. And it was fun. He came over, showed us how to use microphones, how to set them up, how to plug them in the computer, all that sort of stuff. Yes. And what do you know? Doing the same thing over and over again every week, you get better and better at it. Yes. But I had this itching in my heart to do video. The trouble is, I don't know anything about video. Like, I know, I know enough to be dangerous. And so, you know, we set up a camera, we hooked everything up, and it was just dreadful because video is so freaking hard. It's, it's really so hard. so difficult. And so I like to be able to figure things out myself. I'm a bit of a nerd. I want to do research. But all of my research, all of my abilities left me with the need that, like, I can't get this good. I can't get this working. And so over the years, we've had many people help us with the podcast. So Cooper built this, the, basically our stage set right here, that yeah. back wall. He came and helped us with that. Chris Law came and helped us with our lighting. Uh, but most recently, and this is the beauty of the pandemic, the pandemic seemed like this global equalizer for everybody. Like it reset perfectionism for everybody. So you've got like <laughs> these talk show hosts who are used to recording from multi-million dollar studios yeah. who are currently unable to go to work but want to stay on the air. And so you've got these experts who are reduced to using an iPhone camera and a selfie stick. Yeah hosting their shows. And it's yeah. so funny watching everybody get better and better and better. But for me, what it did was it kind of motivated me to go. So I'll admit, I was fearful about putting out bad stuff, yes. like not bad content, but bad delivery. Like I want it to be good. I have fear that it's not going to be good. I want to serve you really, really well. And so we're, we we start up podcasting again, video podcasting, and I realized I just can't get this to work. And I remember one night, it was kind of late at night, and I'm thinking, Lord, I've tried everything. I don't know what to do. And I'm thinking, and I'm, I'm feeling sad that it's taken me this long and haven't got anywhere. I'm feeling uh, lonely because, I, you know, you can't help. I, I'm sorry, I can't. Yeah, what the heck? <laughs> and 
uh, and I'm feeling fear that the deadline's coming, I'm not going to get something out. And then I remember, actually, my fear leads me to understand my limitations. And so I called one of my friends, I just texted my friend Trent, and said, Trent, is there any way you could help me color correct video? Now, if you know nothing about video, color correction is taking a video, and people have got superhuman strength. They're like, oh, there's too much blue in that, there's too much cyan in that. And I'm like, I don't know what you're talking about. I don't about. see any of it. I don't see any no. of it. But Trent was like, yeah, I'd be happy to. And so, you know, Trent remotely takes over my computer and he starts color correcting things and it looks good because you know, Trent gave us all that help. But that was an example of like my limitations is producing fear and actually I'm trying to back away from my fear. I have fear about reaching out to Trent. I don't want to bother him. It's late on a Saturday night. Maybe he's too busy. Maybe I'll be rejected. Maybe I'll reach out for help and be denied and then I'll be in a worse situation than I was before because now not only can't I do it, but like I've, I've been denied. I've been rejected. Yada, yada, yada. But the gift of sitting in my fear, realizing my need and reaching out for help, again, produced that joy I was talking about. Trent's tender response to my weakness blessed me and blessed him. Yeah. I hope it blessed you, Trent. We hope, I, Trent. We're yeah. just assuming. Yeah. You, well, you kept telling me, no, I love doing this. This is great. So I took you at your word. Chip, in his book, Voice of the Heart, says this. Healthy fear leads me into relationship because it helps me recognize that I am not enough. Ugh. Amen. Oh, we don't like that though, do we? Uh, I need others. I need others who have skills different from my own. Fear allows me to be willing to listen to the wisdom of others and acknowledge their talents. And that's so true, isn't it? Like there is a certain joy in being able to help people you love with the things that you can do that they can. I, I love it. Yeah, I don't mean from a like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah. But there is, it's beautiful being able to flex the stuff that is second nature to you and realize it's a gift to people. Now, ironically, we, we talked about, you know, our friends who helped us in the first, you know, walking us through the process of how to buy a house, where to get loans, all that sort of stuff, uh, which in itself was an amazing God story. Don't have time to go into that. But what do you know? A couple of years later, we've developed this rich, rich relationship with this beautiful, beautiful couple. And I discover that all of my nerdy stuff that I just take for granted that they need it, that, the nerd. that doesn't feel like work <laughs> or doesn't feel like stuff I've acquired through study is just innate to me actually becomes a huge blessing to them. Yeah. So, you know, for, you know, forever I'm like fixing Wi-Fi or resetting passwords. And for me, it's like, oh, it's trivial. But to them, it's like, oh, my gosh, you just saved our life. And I'm like, not really. <laughs> but this give and take of understanding we all have limitations and works, life works better in community is a glorious thing. Yeah. So basically knowing our limitations is actually a gift. Yeah. So when we know we're needy, then we can receive the blessing. Right. And that's the beauty of community. And if there's no shame, we're going to talk about shame soon, uh, <laughs> about like being needy, about being human, about having limitations, beautiful things come. Do you remember that time that I was having a really hard time because we had a, like uh, something wrong with our toilet and I didn't know how to fix it? Yes. And you and your kindness said... I think I said something like, babe, you're a great preacher. You're a great teacher. Like there's things that you're trained to do. Plumbers are trained to plumb. They probably don't want to preach and... You know, you don't need to be a plumber. Yeah, it was beautiful in that you were just like, hey, the plumber is not less of a use to God because he can't preach, and you're not less useful to God and me and the family because you don't know how to plumb. Like, yeah. just stick to your gifts, stick yeah. to your lanes. I was like, actually, that's a huge relief. Thank you. Yeah. I was thinking about that whole thing about, like, being community is wonderful because mm-hmm. everybody's got gifts. But here's the thing. If you refuse to feel your fear, you'll never know your needs. You'll never know your limitations. Wow. So you'll never be open to receiving help, yes. which means you won't be teachable. 
Yes. Which means you can't receive the blessings that your community is able to offer you. So that just makes me think, because we talk so much, you know, on the school uh, and when we when we teach and stuff about being teachable and about how important it is to remain teachable, mm-hmm. uh, especially in a role of leadership or anything like that. So if what you're saying is true, then actually we need to feel our fear to stay teachable. That's an interesting key, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Because sometimes I wonder, oh, why don't I want to be teachable in this right now? And I wonder if it's more, oh, I don't want to feel my fear or my insecurities mm-hmm. about not being enough in this. And yeah. so that's why I'm not teachable is because I'm refusing to feel the I'm not enough. I have fear. I need others. I need someone else. Right. I, I think you start talking about that. And I thought about my first day at group therapy. Okay. And I thought about the tremendous fear I felt about walking into an an unknown part of a building into a room with unknown men to do something I'd never done before, not knowing what I'm doing, not knowing how to do it right, not knowing what the rules are so I can ace this thing. Mm. Like having tremendous fear around that and realizing if I did not embrace that fear and the humility that comes from the fear of like, I don't know what I'm doing and I don't know how to do this and I don't know how to impress you and I don't know what the rules are so I don't know how to ace it. I would never have experienced all the transformation I've received. Wow. Like if I didn't want to embrace my fear and be like, group therapy, that's just for losers. Like who would want to do group therapy? Which was my initial thought. So basically thought. if you'd listen to me. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Like I had enough of my own like internal fear going, I don't want to do group. Th- I mean, I remember I coming home. I helped though. <laughs> I was like, group therapy? Are you joking? But the beauty, that whole thing of like, you know, you humble yourself before the Lord and he lift you up in due time. Like, yeah. I feel like from doing group therapy, I have found this pot of treasure that was hidden and I didn't know I wanted. Yeah. And I just think it was on the other side of humility, i.e. on the other side of fear. Like, I did not want to go, but I've been pestering my therapist for a year. Like, why am I even paying you money? Like, this is getting us nowhere. As in, I'm refusing to submit. I'm refusing to learn from you. I'm refusing every week. You're saying you need to feel your feelings. I'm like, feelings, what a pile of nonsense. In, you know, being brought to the end of myself and realizing I need something other than what I already have and recognizing actually there's probably treasure in what I previously disdained, I actually got just a wealth. Uh, and I, I love it for me. I love what I got for me. But I also love that people in my community are getting getting more because you know, as a leader in a community, like what's on your life trickles down. Yeah. So well, I, I love that. you know, it's not just your community. It's in our house. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. My... Yeah, I don't like to talk about my kids without their permission. So, but I just had so many tender moments this week with my yeah. kids choosing to be vulnerable and share their feelings. And and again, we don't mandate that they like pick a feeling from like a list of eight. No, but they're very very fluent, and I I love that. Yeah. I love that. That's a byproduct of doing this work. So this this paradox that we find in discussing our fear that in, for example, our weakness begins our strength. Like finding that we're weak and realizing our limitations leads to the blessing of strength of of other people helping us. Mm-hmm. The other paradox being that in our fear we find wisdom is all perfectly biblical. Yes, <laughs> and and I and I love that. Like Proverbs chapter nine verse ten says, "The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom." Right. Which we you know like we just think about that as cross stitched on a pillowcase or a you know great bumper sticker or a fridge magnet, but actually there's a truth in that. That, you know, that whole thing about 
do not lean on your own understanding, but in all your ways acknowledge the Lord. Like, I, are you kidding me? I paid a lot of money for my understanding. You know, like, I have advanced degrees. Like, I <laughs> want to... Expensive understanding I want to lean on that. And the Lord's <laughs> just like, yeah, it's only going to get you so far. Yeah. I love what Graham Cook says, is that God's much too clever to be an intellectual. <laughs> right? Again, nothing against, awesome. nothing against intellectuals, but logic and reason will only take you so far. Yes. And that's where trust begins. And in order to trust, you have to, like, feel your fear and accept, okay, God, I'm counting the cost as I step out. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the impairment. Right. The impairment comes when we don't want to feel our fear. Yes, and which makes, is usually the deal. Yeah, and it we makes sense why. Feel Feeling it. your yeah. fear is scary. Mm-hmm. Why would you want to do that? Sure. Well, the, the reason you want to do that is if you don't feel your fear, the impairment is anxiety. Nobody Yikes. wants to be anxious. And anxiety comes about because basically in refusing to feel your fear, you're just like, I don't want what you're offering. I would just rather stay in control. And by staying in control, it means we get to be uh, stay away from the understanding that we have limitations. Yes. So it's this great illusion, this great denial that I have limitations, and that if I can actually just control everything, control my environment, control the circumstances, control what's happening, find a guidebook, ace it, I will be fine and I will not have limitations, therefore I don't need to have fear. You can imagine there's a few problems with that way There's of a lot of problems with that, yeah. So in our impaired state... What fear tells us is that we are going to be found out for who we really are. Right, not enough. And then all of our fears are just going to like... And we'll never get the help we need. Right. So even if we do reach out, it's not going to be met. Right. Which then reinforces the lie that I just have to do everything myself because my needs are never going to be met. I'm all alone. We talk about this a lot when we talk about the shame, fear, control cycle. That's stronghold. And we'll we'll unpack that a little bit when we get to the, the teaching on shame. So instead of using fear to acknowledge the circumstance... And, and feel our feelings and then reach out and say, we need help. Mm-hmm. We actually start to scramble to c- try and control the situation instead. Which, of course, we can, which right. just leads to this anxiety feeling. Right. Anxious people are controlling people. And they're basically trying to get their needs met without having to feel their fear. Yes. Talking about anxiety, Chip says this. In anxiety, we rob ourselves of daily living and its experience. Instead, we try to control our future in order to prevent the reoccurrence of painful past experiences. Ow! Yeah. Thanks, Chip. Yeah, anxiety is basically self-sufficiency. And if you take self-sufficiency to its logical conclusion, you don't need a savior. Ouch. Sorry about that. You know, it's ironic because anxious people would rather be miserable than needy. Yes, I think so. Here's the crazy thing, right? If I'm going to refuse to feel my fear, I'm going to become really anxious, super controlling. And instead of asking for help, because I'm scared that nobody's actually going to come to my help, instead I'm going to recruit people to help soothe my anxiety away. And if you've ever been sat with an anxious people, they don't want help. They just want somebody to sit with them and, and agree and justify yeah. that, that they've got a right to be anxious. Yeah. They don't want a solution. They don't want to get out because they don't want to have to feel or face reality. They just want to sit in their anxiety and say, hey, please, you know, which also leads to self-pity, leads to victimhood. Right. And it's just that, that, I mean, that's what we talk about when we're talking about living with an impairment. Like the quality of life you live is way, way low. Yeah. So, but babe, if I'm sitting here and I'm hearing this and I'm realizing, oh gosh, that's me. I'm an anxious person. Then you can kind of flip the process backwards, right? And go, oh, I'm living this anxious lifestyle that you're talking about. I, I'm, I'm aware that that's me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what I need to do actually is feel my fear 
Yeah, start thinking about what am I what am I afraid, what am I afraid of? Maybe yeah. write it down. Yeah. A, a good way of knowing if you're living in the impairment of fear is if you always have to have a bad guy to blame your problems on. Oh. Right, so if it's always somebody else's fault, if it's the government, if it's Facebook, if it's your teachers, if it's the police, if it's the leaders, if you have a bad guy, you've made move from taking responsibility for the quality of life you're living into this kind of anxiety and externalize it. It's their fault. Ah, and that 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 allows you to not have any limitations it can't be your problem yeah and a good way of looking is just journey through your past and if you're the common denominator between all of your bad guys it's probably not them it's probably some part of your heart not wanting to feel your feelings right so we're not talking about like separate small situations where there is maybe a legit bad guy we're talking about a lifestyle of where we're going everybody around me they're all that those are all the bad guys like that's the common denominator no matter which school you went to like like if if you've moved geography will not excuse your need to feel feelings so if you move to a new church a new job a new city and the same problems keep cropping up i would pay attention to that we're just full of good news and happy news today. Sorry about that. <laughs> but fear keeps on giving. It's not just anxiety that we end up with. Yeah, we talked about this last week. The other impairment, this is like two for one. Not only do you end up in anxiety, but more than likely, another option of your impairment is you're going to end up in rage. Yeah, rage comes from refusing to face that we are vulnerable people. Whereas anxieties attempt to not feel fear is to say, I have no limitations and ah, everything's okay. Rage's attempt is to scare away that which is scaring them. Like, I'll get big, I'll get loud, I'll get to scare away the thing that is scaring me. Rageful people are just terrifying of exposing their hearts. Yeah. So do you think we can say, and I'm asking, can we say that insecurity is fear that produces rage? Because it seems like, Many of the people that I've encountered, including in my own family, mm-hmm. that would rage at at the bottom of that is some level of insecurity that they're trying to push away. So that'd be a great question for Chip, because I've also met people who are insecure and that insecurity is manifested in a different way. Yeah. Rage is an attempt to deny that fear even exists. Yeah. Like, look how big I am. I couldn't possibly be scared. Yeah. We talked about... Uh, rage a little bit last week when we were talking about anger we talked about you grew up in what we thought was an angry household yes but it was actually a rage-filled household sure talk to me about the difference between rage and anger well i think they're actually miles apart uh rage denies that we are human and needy right and anger actually embraces that we are needy chip says in his book that rage rejects the fear of desire wow Whereas anger provides the passion to move us towards the desires. They're actually like polar opposite on, yeah. a, on, on other ends of the scale. So that's our fifth feeling. Fear leads us to ask, like, what am I afraid of? Like, what's behind my fear? What am I worried is going to happen? And the gift of feeling fear is wisdom, where the impairment is anxiety and rage. So there you go. Who knew that feeling fear was a positive thing? Yep. It's a gift. Hey, if you want the show notes for this week, you can go to alanandaj.com. And we want to thank all of our patrons who help us make this show happen. If you would like to become a patron, you can go to alanandaj.com slash patron. And if all this stuff is waking up passion in your heart to know more about how you're made, how you're built, how to interact with other people, we have an amazing school at the church we help pastor called the School of Supernatural Life. To give you an idea of the school and what it's like, we're going to just play a short clip for you and then we'll be back straight after that. 
When I came here, I was just blown away by the level of relationship that people had with God, and it changed everything for me. Getting to set aside eight months of my life to run after the Lord and be surrounded by a group of people that were doing the same thing was absolutely incredible. So my life before the school was, I had all this stuff going on in my heart, and, I, and people would always tell me, just lay it at Jesus' feet. My question was always, how? I did not have any hope, any joy, any love in my heart. I was very closed off to the world and was very selfish. And I would say the, the school really flipped my world upside down. Now I, I constantly am thankful. I'm constantly living in a place of gratitude and freedom. My mind's not racing. I'm not constantly worried about finances or anything like that. I just know that God's with me. I had really battled depression for 10 years. Seeing God come through and just miraculously healing me of depression was truly impactful. So literally, it changed my life. <laughs> I can honestly say that. The most impactful thing about being at the school was that all the leaders, they didn't necessarily show me how to lay all my burdens down at Jesus' feet, and they didn't tell me. They basically just took my hand and, and walked with me and until I met Jesus face to face. And then they would stand back and just watch you have this Jesus encounter week after week. There wasn't one particular week that stood out to me as the whole world, my whole life changed, but I left the school a completely different person. school creates space for you to actually encounter God and you know you can hear the teachings bang 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 you hear oh he's a good father he loves you all these things but actually the school created space for me to encounter the father that they teach about in the school we learned how to hear the voice of God and after that we got to learn how to prophesy which is just to repeat his love over the people that are in our path what I loved about all of the classes was that there was an opportunity for application. And so it was within a day, maybe two days after a teaching, that I would have an opportunity to actually um, apply the principles or the teachings that I had heard to the class. It was super cool to go on outreach and be able to practice everything that you were learning in the school and get to tangibly see things happen. I remember we went to South Africa and we got to go pray in this like local kind of pub slash village area and everyone we prayed for got healed. The school completely changed my life. The School of Supernatural Life changed my life forever. Has my life changed? Yeah. My life is completely different because of SOSL. The school has totally changed my life. My life is changed because of going to the school. God will use your yes, and so if he's inviting you to do the school, he's not going to leave you hanging. Like, he's going to transform you. I would just really encourage anyone, no matter how old you are, whether you're young or you're my age or even older, to just really know that God has so much more ahead for you. And going to the school is one of the best decisions I've ever made in my life. And I will say to you that if you give it eight months, you will not regret it. I'm a living testament that it doesn't matter how much time you've had with the Lord, if you give him a week, if you give him your entire week, he will change your life. And so especially if you give him an eighth month time, your whole life is just gonna be radically changed.
If you're interested in this school, you can head on over to the website. Applications are open until June 15th. But for now, thanks for being with us. We've loved being with you. If this has been helpful for you, uh, just go ahead and share the podcast with someone else who might find it helpful. And we'll see you next week. Faith, life, communication, tacos and video games. Paleo donuts and the kindness of God are things we deal with every day. From Franklin, Tennessee, they are just like you and me. Alan and AJ, keeping up with the Joneses, keeping up with the Joneses, sharing their life experiences. If you are a human being, there's something here for everyone.